0: I am Daniel Lucas and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years and today I have my special guest. He's the author of his steamy novels, no other than Mr. Callie Maxwell.
1: Hello Daniel.
0: Hello, Mr. Kelly. Welcome back.
1: Nice to be back.
0: Yes. And before we go to another book, because it's another week, let's do the recap of the books that we talked about for the previous month. Uh,
1: yes. Um, well, on the first time I was on your show, we did a book called My Decision, uh, a standalone book about a wife with a husband who um, was no longer interested in sex. And the woman had to make some decisions as to what to do about that. So that was uh, the first time. And then on the second time I was on your show, we discussed uh, a book series to um, eight books altogether in the series called Jane's Diaries. Um, This story is about a wife who uh, passes away and her husband finds her diaries after her death. And in them, he finds about her secret life uh, with her lovers um, that she had collected and had in all these years that they were married. And the husband never knew. So uh, then on the third time I was on your show, we discussed uh, a series uh, called My Husband's Boss. Um, There's uh, six books in this series. And this is a story about a couple told from the point of view of the wife uh, that had financial issues in 2009 during the recession And they made a deal with the husband's boss that the wife was going to be his mistress so that the husband could get this promotion that would carry them through the tough times because she had lost her job and couldn't find another one. Um, Then uh, the last time I was on your show, uh, we discussed a book called another uh, standalone standalone book called Size Matters uh, this book um, as the title says has a lot to do with uh, physical aspects of people um, size fixation of all kinds uh, physical incompatibility between spouses and people um, people's notions of size like how tall people are um, and whether they fit with each other. Uh, and it also has the topic of infidelity and some people's need for revenge because they just can't let it go. So those were the topics discussed in, in, um, in book number four. Uh, and today, we're going to be discussing a serious call uh forbidden lust sounds yes. interesting there's five books in this series so this is the um uh, a little bit of a recap in in some of the things that we discussed on on previous shows uh is the p- some people's uh sexual um proclivities towards um extramarital sex and that is a big theme in some of my books. You, you've got married people who have sex with other people. Um, if they had sex with just each other, the books would be kind of boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and, and there's all different types because there's all different types of lifestyles uh, related to married people having sex with other people. Um, you know, there's, uh, uh, people who are, um, have an open marriage and basically they might as well be single because they date other people at will, uh, even though they're married, uh, they have boyfriends, girlfriends and all that. And yet they're still married and have kids and have a house together. Then you've got people who are what, what we call traditional swingers people who swap with other couples or they go to swinger clubs or swinger parties or to, um, swinger resorts where they, um, swap with other couples or, you know, basically once they get there, they just roam around doing whatever. Um, and then there's another group of, um, people who do what's called wife sharing. Um, and uh, that usually involves uh, the wife having sex with men, but usually the husband in these um, arrangements does not. She's the only one who does uh, and the husband letter. And that's very prevalent these days. Uh, I, I was even surprised that the, the, um, the number percentage wise is now over 10% of marriages. That do this. Uh, I I was involved in the lifestyle amongst other lifestyles that I described earlier when I was younger, um, and even when I was involved with some people who were in this lifestyle, the the what's called hot wife. That's by the way. That's what the the women in these lifestyles are called. Um, I didn't think that there were that many, but apparently this has become more prevalent. So anyway, so we're discussing, the, and in my books, I discuss the the different lifestyles, um, and each book is, you know, that that is pertaining to extramarital sex has a diff, has different aspects of it, so that you get a general idea. In this book. Um, you have a couple that are what is called in the, in the lifestyle world, a vixen and stag couple. The woman is the vixen um, and the husband is the stag. And the reason why they're, they're not like in, in the hot wife lifestyle uh, is because the husband is involved is not just a spectator like they do in the hot wife lifestyle. So when our story begins, uh, the main characters are, and, and again, it's told from the point of view of the female lead, uh, Valerie, uh, and her husband is Adrian, and they're both from Spain. Uh, they're immigrants to the United States, uh, but that's just background Uh, for some stuff that happened uh, in the past to them Um, but right now they're and most of the story takes place just in the United States so they are in their uh, early 30s they have two kids they're both professionals one is he's an architect and she's a an accountant and after a few years and kids and all that, life gets in the way and um, their sex life starts to suffer. Uh, and the husband believes that his wife is not satisfied by him. Um, and he offers her to have a lover if she wants. He says, I love you. I think you deserve it. Uh, you only get to live once. Um, why?" spend a a life unhappy and and unsatisfied. And the Valerie is shocked by all this because that's something she did not expect that her husband would do that and offer. And she goes through the usual stuff that the women who are given that offer by their husband, it's, it's almost like you talk to some of these people and it's common. The wife, the first thing that goes through her mind is he's got a girlfriend and he wants me to find a boyfriend to, to cover up for what he's doing. Uh, you want you wanna, and it, it, the conversation is usually the same. You, you know, you want to cheat on me. You want to get, and you want me to, you know, or you're you're thinking about divorcing me, and you're setting me up, stuff like that. You know, because the the offer that the husband makes is not normal in most society, in most marriages anyway fast forward to these two people he makes the offer and after so searching and all that um she is not comfortable with the concept of the hot wife lifestyle where she is going out and doing a man and her husband is basically just her pretty much her servant um and uh, she just sits him down and says, look, um, I see your point about us having issues. And maybe you're right. I'm, I'm not sexually satisfied. You know, we're, we're you know, the, to make the story even shorter, there, there, she had been lying to him about whether she was satisfied or not. And he called her out on it. So finally, she says, okay, you got me, you're right, I'm not, but I, I don't want to do it the way you want to do it. And she says, the way I see it is, I always wanted to have a man who was a manly man. Uh, not somebody that you are describing these um, cuckold men. That's how the men are called in a hot wife relationship. I don't want a man like that. So here's the deal. If we do this and I go with a man, you're going to go with a woman. And the husband is like, What? I, you know, this was supposed to be about you and all that. Because he's he's talked himself into thinking that that's what they should do. And she's basically telling him, Look, I, I know you're not, you haven't given up on sex. So um, I, the only way I'm going to feel comfortable in this is if we're both doing it, so there's no, you know, debate afterwards as to who did what. We're both going to be involved, and also, like she told him, I want a man who's a man, not a wimp. You know, not a beta male. I, she says, I want an al- I want to be married to an alpha that beds women, not sits around while I'm getting bedded by men. So that's their decision, and they, she talks to a, a neighbor, they have these two neighbors about the same age, also with young kids, and what these four people do is they take turns watching each other's kids on on, on a weekend or whenever somebody needs a, a babysitter at night, um, and one Friday is one couple's to go out and the other couple watches the kids and vice versa. And uh, they're pretty close with these people that they, they know them, they go to each other's house and all that. And she has a talk, the wife has a talk with the, with the wife of the other couple. And they basically agreed that they would like to do the swap thing. Um, and they end up, you know, that, that's where the story leads um at the end of chapter one now i am going to go into chapter two there there's like five right now but i need to go to chapter two because it it's kind of important something that happens in two that that kind of sets the story going Um, in chapter one there is a segment where she goes past the church This is years later after they started out all this extramarital stuff. She goes past the church and she decides that she's going to go in and uh, she's Catholic, by the way, from Spain. And so she goes to church and she goes to confess to the, to the priest. You know, she goes in the confessional box and the priest listens to her and she tells him the story of what's been going on in book two. In the middle, you know, after she tells him what happened with that other couple and all this, um, the priest says to her, Valerie, could you do me a favor? Could you, could you please go to my office and get me a box of napkins? <laughs> and she goes and brings them to him. And basically, um, there's no easy way to put this, but while she's telling him all the steamy hot stories, the poor guy kind of shocked that a priest would do that. Um, but he's fairly young. He's also like in his early to mid thirties and all that. And he pretty much tells her that um, he may be a priest, but he's not dead, <laughs> you know? He, he has needs and, um, and he propositions her in the end, it ends up, you. it's almost like who propositioned who in this, but um, the two of them end up having sex in the priest's office. And uh, so the priest becomes a character in the stories as the stories continue because there'll be discussions as to what happened in the past when she's talking to the priest. But it gives you an idea of where this couple went from when they started to where they are years later and she's at the priests and she calls her husband and tells him that she's thinking of hooking up with them and he says oh yeah go ahead don't worry about it this is a couple so you know I'm going to leave the story there because I don't want to go too too deep but I I spoil it <laughs> yeah I don't want to spoil it but first of all, I haven't written the last chapters yet. I'm, I'm up to chapter number five. But I wanted to bring that up, the part with the priest, because I wanted to show how, how libertine these people are, that they are, and, and I think we might have discussed it in a couple of the shows about people with different sexuality levels in their life. You know, there's the people who hardly have any. And then there's the people on the other end who that's all they think about all day long. Um, and um, then you have, you know, people in the middle or, or a little off to one side or more off to the other. Um, Valerie and her husband were sort of in the middle until they decided that life is too short to go without and to be dissatisfied so they moved towards the let's have more than the less um and people like that people who are into that field are the ones that are more most likely to be involved in these extramarital um sex lifestyles uh most most people you know they're Their sex life gets boring or they're, you know, they'll do one of two things. They'll either suck it up and deal with it or they get a divorce and look for somebody else and basically ruin their families over something like that. Well, these people who do the extramarital thing are sort of a third way. They decide that they're not going to give up on their marriage, on their family, I mean, it's not like they don't love each other, you know, that they hate each other. It's just that they got some problems and they realize that uh, a little bit of spice in their life would be good. And that's pretty much what Valerie and Adrian become. Uh, And they try out all different things uh, and eventually she convinces them that that You know, that yeah, that they should do this, these friends of theirs. Um, uh, So they're not, you know, your typical um, hot wife couple that is prevalent in many stories, you know, erotic stories nowadays. Uh, Erotica is replete with stories like that. I have written some, okay. Um, And the thing is, the, the, the lifestyles that these people live are not for everybody. So for anybody who's reading these books may, you know, who's hearing about these books and say, my God, what are these people writing? Well, this isn't for everybody, you know? uh, And a lot of people that may read these books don't exactly go out and do it. Uh, They, are people who just read it, they become amused by it, they go, oh, that's nice. But you know, they're they're like, I'm too conventional to cross the line and do it. And then you got others who have stable marriages, which is a prerequisite in my view, because I've seen it in action, I've known people multiple people including some in my family who have been involved in these lifestyles and the only way they stick together is by having a strong marriage with good communication and honesty there's there's people who believe that uh, anyone who's having extramarital relationships you know the concept of an open marriage and you know, swinging and all this stuff—that they're automatically cheaters, that they lie, betray, and cheat on each other, um, left and right. Which, when you really think it through, is illogical and downright stupid. Because if you have disgusted with your spouse, you know the the proverbial you and. The two spouses decide that they're going to do this and they make the decision together. They give each other the time. They don't, they don't push it, each other into this. You know, you got to do this honestly. You can't, you know, if you have one person who wants to do it another person who doesn't, this isn't going to work, okay? Um, so once they decide to do this together and you have the permission to do stuff like this, what would be the point of cheating and taking the chance of losing the respect and, and um, uh, trust of your spouse, losing your family, getting a divorce, and having your economic standing totally destroyed. I mean, I don't, I, you know, for anybody listening, um, getting a divorce ain't pretty. Your credit rating goes in the toilet, your, your financial standing, standing, whether you're the man or the wife, neither one of them gains. They both lose financially. So when, when it goes to, to that nasty place, there's no winner. So why would anybody who has permission to do this from their spouse in one way or another? Why would they cheat? So that is one of the, the things that, you know, I get from some people who read my books and they, they automatically assume that, you know, that there's cheating going on. In which case I say, I'm not going to tell you that there isn't. I mean, there are some people who are just downright stupid. You know, and you, I knew one who did this. She was young and she didn't want to be, you know, in this kind of lifestyle. She wanted to be alone. She wanted to be single and to have fun. She was my first wife. (laughs) So I know, I know of a person who did this and now I don't know what happened to her. She, I, I left, you know, New York and she, had her own life. And as far as I was concerned, was um, good riddance. Thanks for letting me know. But the whole point is that she had permission from me. We had given each other that permission to be, you know, in this lifestyle. She had access to, we belonged to a group where there were seven other couples. So she had access to eight men within this group. And if she and I met some other swingers and wanted to, you know, swap, we could because we had done it. And, you know, I mean, it it, it didn't bother me when we did it, if it was out in the open. That wasn't enough for her. So she started, she was young and immature. I'll give her that. I'm sure she's Thinking differently now. I hope now that she's older, um, but she just didn't care. In in her mind, you know, it was like whatever. I don't. I don't care. And she openly would do things with people, and I would find out like people would tell me. And I eventually, I said to myself, "This is this person is is not reliable." But the people in the lifestyles, the adults. She was, she was young. She was like 20, 21. The adults in the lifestyles, which is usually people late 20s and above. As a matter of fact, the majority of the people in the lifestyles are either in the 30s, 40s, and early 50s. And those people are adult people, and they think things through. And they say to themselves, if I'm going to do this, I'm doing this for a reason. And My spouse is my sort of my partner in crime in this. We do this together. So why would I ruin that? You know, as one woman who who was in the lifestyle, she was one of these hot wives, told me, um, Cal, I've hit the lottery. Um, I, my husband lets me, uh, I don't have to worry about divorce. All I got to worry about is is basically not picking an idiot to do it with, or, or something to that effect. So, th- that's pretty much the, the concept. Uh, and in this story, uh, that this couple, you you see just like sort of like the couple that I had in in the uh, story, um, my husband's boss, they have real good communication between each other. Now there's some things that she didn't tell her husband about what she did when she was young. Um, But that's like way before they knew each other before they got married. So I have that in the story kind of like hanging that eventually I have to address, but this isn't something that she did while they were married. She hasn't, she's never cheated on him. You know, like the priest asks her, have you ever cheated? Have you ever lied to your husband? Whatever, and she said, "Well, there's some things I've never told them, but I've never actually openly lied, you know." Um, so that's that's basically the 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 type of people that are involved in these lifestyles, and the kind of people that that these characters are in Forbidden Lust, um, and unlike um, the you know, people in, um, um, you know, in, in the hot wife lifestyles where they're sort of like closed. Um, the wife and the husband, they, she has a lover or more than one or they go out of town, she picks somebody and does them, depending how they figure out how they work it. But they don't do other people. Um, in this story... Um, Valerie and, and uh, Adrian eventually meet other swingers and you you know, they kinda, they're kind of like on both sides of the fence. Um, so they meet other people and through these two people, you see the lifestyle of a couple that both of them are doing things with other people. That that's the the difference between them and and um, some other characters I have in some of my other books that we're going to discuss eventually. And those people are out and out hot wife cuckold couples um, where, yeah, only the wife does. So that's that's pretty much the story of this book
0: yeah Mr. Kali before we go on I want to shout out to the people listening in the people uh, in Algeria I'm number 16 on Apple podcast thank you so much for supporting this podcast in Algiers I get 35% audience share, Constantine at 22% Ain Tomasen 17% Tizi Ozu at 9% Uh, all El Bogie at 4%, Bura at 4%, Annaba at 4%, and Satif at 4%. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world. Like Mr. Kali Maxos. So Mr. Kali, what is the best highlight of uh,
1: the book? Um, the, the part that I find, um, <laughs> and I, I gotta tell you, I, I, the character of, uh, Father Michael, her confessor, while I included him in the beginning as a, you know, as the confessor, um, character, he, he's sort of like a vehicle that allows her to tell the story, um, you know and it's as if she's confessing to him telling him what happened and we get to we get to be like the fly on the wall listening to to what happened to her life or what she did i somewhere along the line i thought that it would be kind of funny in a way i hope I, i'm not offending people who are christian i mean i'm christian myself i'm not catholic but i'm christian myself and uh, I hope they're not offended that I have a priest who um, violates his, his vows of chastity uh, and uh, um, celibacy, excuse me, not chastity, and um, has sex with, with women in his parish. But that's pretty much what he does. And he has a, a weird way of, of looking at this. He you know, I, and I, like I said, I don't want to spoil it, but I found his character um, amusing. And that's why I included him. So to me, I mean, the, the rest of the story is basically, you know, a couple that decide to, you know, find lovers and do this and that. And, you know, you get to hear their story and they talk about, what they want, what their beliefs are, what they're, you know, what they should do, what they are, how they got there, their past and all that, that that's kind of standard fare. I mean, I've tried to make them multidimensional um, so that people see them and they become, you know, sort of attached to them. I mean, I had one of my readers contact me and, and told me that uh, he says, I have a crush on Valerie <laughs> The, the main character because he loves how she she's like always thinking about her husband uh in a good light and worries about him uh and when he came to her with with what he wanted to do she said oh no no we're not going to do it that way we're going to do it the other way because it's going to you're going to maintain your dignity you know um so that's pretty much the the aspect of the story, the the people, and how it's a little fun. It's not. I don't. I don't have anything. There's no bad, evil stuff going on. Uh, that's not part of my stories. I don't do revenge. I don't. I don't really like it. So mm, that's yes. pretty much. So forbidden lust. What behind the title? Um, basically. It's the, I'm sorry, I use the word basically too much. I apologize. It's the... It's <laughs> No the, worries. Yeah, we, we all have a crutch. Uh, that's mine. Um, it, it has to do with um, th- things that people do that society tells us that we shouldn't do. That, you know, the forbidden and the lust I mean, we all have lust at one time or another. Um, you know, the, we, we should be honest that it's not love at first sight. It's lust at first sight. Because all we do is we look at a person uh, and either we find them appealing or we don't. So the first aspect of any relationship is the lust. And anyone who says otherwise, I mean, they're kidding themselves. Because in order to have love, you got to know the person. If you don't know them, you can't have love. I, I, you know, my wife and I have discussed this. And we agreed that when we first met and for the first, you know, few weeks, it was pretty much the last part, okay? And then we progressed as we got to know each other to the love part. So the word lust it in the title is something very universal, something that everybody that has a relationship does. And the forbidden part is, you know, what these people are doing. I mean, if as a couple you come out and tell your family, your neighbors, your you know, the people at the PTA or or anywhere else at your job that you're doing this, you're pretty much committing social suicide because our society is just not, we know that this stuff happens, but most people would like to think that, ah oh, yeah, I've heard about it, but it happened somewhere else, not here, you know, and not, not my neighbor, not my cousin, and not my coworker, you know, not not the lady who who's the who works, uh, you know, in the uh, the school board or the, you, you see what I mean? It's it's for it's forbidden because society says that it should be. So I that was the, the two things that that made up the title for me, you know, that that's the meaning the in my mind that, you know, we all have a lust. And we all have some. Some of our lusts are weirder than others, you know. Uh, I think we talked in a previous episode about how people are drawn to different things and different types of people. Um, but you know, we we pass judgment. Society passes judgment. That's what the word forbidden comes. A personal or a personal note. I don't pass judgment on any of these people. If somebody were to tell me, oh, this is what we do, I had. I'd probably interview them for a book. <laughs> yes. So,
0: Mr. Cowley, how did you craft Ed *Forbidden Loss*?
1: The um, the concept, yes. and the and the storyline. Um, actually, there is a Excel sheet with all the dates and all the people, all the ages that I had to create to keep track of everybody, and their past and what they're doing and when they're doing it and all that. So some of my books are all contemporary. And um, I don't need to do that because the story happens pretty much in real time. Uh, or if it's historical, it happens at a specific time. Um, but some stories are, you know, they, they take over years. Like I had to do the same thing with the Jane story with an Excel sheet to keep up with the years and the times, who did what, when, because, you know, you start writing these books, and you write, you know, I'm, I'm in the fifth book now, and this has been two years now since I started this, so this series, so two, two and a half, so to remember everything, you know, sometimes you forget details, and that's one of the things that I do when I do writing i have a general idea where i want the story to go um the the type of story i'm going to write then i develop the characters um what kind of people these characters are going to be and one of the one of the tricks that i use um some people sit down and they write like essays about their characters and you know they get really my son is taking a shot at writing and he's done that with some of the characters in his book and he says dad did you do you do that with yours and all that and i'm like nope i just start writing uh i sit down and as i write stuff comes out and here's the thing when you're writing something it's not going to end up being in print i mean nothing is going to be published until you hit the Amazon button to publish it. Up until that moment, you can go back and change your story. You can change this, that. As a matter of fact, you know, some of these online um, book publishing um, deals allow you to go back and change something, if you have to, which I've done by the way. In a couple of books, there were there were some aspects of it and that I thought that, um, it would be best if there was like a leading up to chapter or something to that effect. And and I've given sort of like a little bonus to the people that have bought it because obviously it updates. But in my mind, you start a story, you, um, you start putting stuff down. To me, I just start writing and it comes out and I go back and I read it. And if I feel like I need to change it, I change it. If not, I go with it. Uh, and usually, nine times out of ten or more, my characters, once I develop them early on in the story, they pretty much stay like that. My instincts, my my writing instincts about characters have never failed me. I always try to make these people believable, real, and flawed. Uh, I don't make perfect people. I don't believe in that. Nobody's perfect. I don't do heroic people who, you know, n- never do anything wrong, or you know, they have like all the perfect morals. You know, they're you know, I don't I don't write you know guys or women like that. All the people in my stories are are they have faults and problems and issues, and everything they do they do for a reason I don't like writing characters and and people that there's the things are kind of like left if I've done it um I it it irks me if I've if I put something in there and then I haven't explained it because you you know a writer should because that the reader deserves to have knowledge of what's going on I mean, they're not strangers. The the reader is supposed to be told everything about the story from the writer. So you can't be, you know, if you want to have the shock value, you can do that. You know, you don't tell them something on chapter one and you save it for chapter five or or the next book. But eventually you have to tell them, you know, you can't have secrets from your reader. (laughs) They got to know. So and they and and they're gonna be the ultimate judge whether the story was believable or not. Yeah. So those are the things I follow. Yes, definitely. So,
0: Mr. Kelly, can you please invite our listeners to buy all your books?
1: Um my books are not standard fare they're not uh cut and paste type of stories that you see online or on bookshelves um that are nothing but a trope uh, i'm sure people know what a trope is it's sort of like a writing meme um where it's a general idea and you basically take that idea and you just write a you know just another story it's a, it's a, they're like already developed. And all you do is you change the names, the locations, the, you know, where they work and, and what country they live and a few little details. I don't do that. I do stories about people. Yes, my books all have erotica in them. Why? Because sex is an integral part of life. And we can't ignore it. There's people who write books and they ignore that. I don't. Uh, for me, I, I'm telling anybody who reads my books, you're gonna find sex in them. But you, it. But it's stories about human beings who do have sex while they're living their life. And that's what you find in my, in my books uh, and in my stories. Uh, and they're entertaining. Uh, I tried to throw in a little bit of humor, um, but they're mostly contemporary. Um, they're, 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 there are some flashbacks in some of the stories, um, but pretty much it's, we're talking about recent times. Um, nothing going back. I don't, you know, I haven't really jumped and done any, you know historical fiction yet um so you're basically getting contemporary stories about married people who have sex with other people um with each other the spouses and others and and they're they're stories that are that are they're going to grab you and say why did they do this and how are they doing this? What are they thinking? I mean, I get into these people's minds. Um, so that's what you're going to get when you read my stuff. Uh, if you want just a purely sexual story, um, you can skip to those parts in my book. A good third of each of my books is, is that, but not all of it.
0: Forbidden lust. Thank you so much for this uh, book, Mr. Kali. And... Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you for having me, Daniel. It was a pleasure.
0: Mardi people, see you soon.